Welcome to the Business and Bud Show. You know it's time. Start thinking like a winner when you get online. Streaming audio and video to get you primed for a future of success, a life you design. Business and Buds is the online show for people who want to learn about creating a thriving business and a thriving network. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Business and Buds Show. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, Pat Hilton, Michael Bryant. It is the Business and Buds Show. We're back in the mix. What's going on, Mike? How are you, sir? I'm doing good. It's Saturday. It's beautiful out. Uh, got a nice little temporary podcast set up here, so that way you don't yell at me anymore. Look at this guy. He's almost like a real uh, show host here. It's getting good. It's getting good. You're looking good over there, buddy. Yeah, and thanks to you, I'll be dropping about $18,000 in here to uh, to finish this off. And instead of thanks to you, I'm not saying that sarcastically, like thanks to you because like I've wanted to build the rest of this out for the past like two years. And I've really just kind of uh, put my money into my companies instead. And And now I am investing it back into this space, which will, you know, be the home for our content. And uh, we'll be able to film a lot of stuff here. And I'm going to make a a nice office and a nice full-blown gym in this uh, this, like 1,200 square foot barn that I have down here. Which is awesome because you'll be using that to grow your business as well. Correct. Because we'll have a virtual community and all that, that, that you wonderful viewers can join here soon. Um, but we were just talking about using our, we've talked about our addictive personalities and our, you know, weed and alcohol and shroom enthusiasm. <laughs> and while I'm, while I don't use, uh, I don't smoke pot or drink or do any of that now. I'm sober now, but um, I would say that for a long time, th- those ways we've talked about this in the past shows. I don't remember which one, but it, some of those things helped me kind of break down barriers, mental barriers of just the obstacles that the world and that society places upon us and forces upon us, the limits that these uh, forces of the world rain down upon us of you can't do this or you'll never achieve this or this person will tell you that's crazy or your girlfriend's dad chews you out in front of everybody. I mean, we've talked about these types of stories and it's like, well, I know these people are wrong in my heart and I know I got the talent because I've been working on it for X amount of years and I'm already getting paid to do all these things that I love. How do I take this to the next level? And it's like, well, you have to become the person that can achieve those results. And I, I used to like listen to the motivational guys at the conferences say this. And I'd be like, I don't understand what that means. And I'd be like, well, you have to be the person that gets up at X amount of hour and does this and does that and does all. You have to do all these actions day in and day out and start producing on that level for a long time before you actually reach that level of success. Your level of action and your level of mindset has to get there first. So I agree. How addicted, and this is what we talked about, how addicted are you to that action and to getting that result? So I agree with you in some respect that like you have to have, you have to start to exercise that discipline muscle. Right. Um, However, I do disagree with you in the same breath. Like I wake up, 
anywhere between 7.30 and 8.30. Oh, well, it's day. about what you put in <laughs> your time, too. I definitely agree with the Gary V perspective that it doesn't need to be 5. For some people, yeah. that is. If you get up at noon and you work until 2 a.m., that's fine, too. It's what you do in that time that's going to get you the result. Right. Correct. So we should yeah. make that I mean, that's that's like... A lot of times I don't go to bed until two or three o'clock in the morning, but I wake up at I was at totally that way for a long time. Yeah. I, for me, whenever my kids go to sleep and my wife is asleep and I can just sit and like work and nobody else is working at that time. And it's just like me against myself. That's the, that's the time where I get the best work done period. It's where I come mm-hmm. up with my best ideas it's, I mean, you know this, I'll shoot you a text message at 1030 at night. Um, but like it, and I get it at 430 in the morning. Correct. And you reply back to me early and then I'll get back to you whenever I, three hours later. Yeah. Yeah. And, but like, I don't sit around, like everyone says not to check your phone first thing in the morning. That works for some people. That for me. For if you run an online company or you want to run an online company, your phone is your lifeblood. And if you have mm-hmm. any, if you have any desire to actually get out of a six figure a year or a five figure a year thing or, and try and get into seven, eight, nine, nine figures, I've, I've not achieved nine figures yet. I've achieved seven and eight, but I've not achieved nine figures yet. However, I know that the, the addictive nature that I have to follow up to, making sure that like I am relentless in my pursuit and looking at my, my goals on a daily basis. Like I have goals written up on my mirror and affirmations. And I read them whenever I brush my teeth, whenever I go into the bathroom and I see them every fucking day, I have them on this board right here. I have a way to do that. Yeah, I do too. I have written up board right there as well. Yeah. And I have these things written all over the house. My background on my phone, like for the past six months, I just changed it to a family photo. But my background on my phone was literally a Grant Cardone thing that said earned income buys passive income, passive income buys toys. And it was, <laughs> it's just like trying to ingrain that shit in my own brain because I have to learn these things myself. Like, Oftentimes I I make a good bit of money every month and oftentimes I'm like, Oh, I just want to spend it on something else. And instead I'm like, you know what? Maybe I'll spend it, but I'll spend it on Bitcoin. I still have it. It's, it's an investment. I'm spending it. I'm getting it out because I never want to have, and this is the uh, different philosophy than Dave Ramsey has, but he, in my opinion, Dave Ramsey isn't uh, a great entrepreneur. He's a he's a great financial guy, but he's not a great entrepreneur as a whole. But being able to save up six months and then anything after you have over six months, you're putting into investments every fucking time. It keeps you hungry. It keeps you motivated to do more because you look at your bank account and you're like, oh, I only have x amount of dollars i don't know everyone's monthly expenditures are different my monthly expenses are pretty fucking high so it's like you're trying to figure out all of these things but like having more than six months i think just makes you feel too comfortable and in your own skin at least i know that it does for me i get lazy 
I get lazy. If I, if I have 12 months in my bank account, I'm like, eh, I'm fucking good. I don't have to do as much today. But if I get it out of my checking accounts and I get them into investments that are creating more cash flow for me, then I'm like, that's, that's what I need to be doing. So I'm addicted to that. I used to be addicted to blow and hookers. Like I fucking loved cocaine and strippers and fucking snorting coke off of girls' assholes and shit. Like that was like my jam. I fucking love that. And now I got two, I got two little kids that I got to worry about instead of that. I haven't touched blow in fucking eight years, probably nine years. Great job, Mike. Thanks. And now I just like, but truly you have to be able to pivot those like cocaine and uppers and those sort of things. That was, that was what I really enjoyed. But like, you have to be able to trans, I'm always going to be an addict, right? I know this. Like I got addicted to getting fucking tattoos. I have them everywhere. I have a fucking, I have a Chinese food container with like, like I'm just fucking dumb. Like I have dumb shit all over me because I was addicted to getting tattoos. But now- I love Chinese food. I love Chinese food. Now I am addicted to building another pillar of revenue. I want as many deposits coming in a month as I can possibly take. Like my ideal right. world, I'd be getting in 150 deposits a month, five a day, every day of the week, forever. Like that, and I have revenue source stream, and that's what I'm addicted to building right now versus trying to push it up my nose. Yeah, and I think that's a good thing. And Did I lose you? you know, I I still think no, you're good. So you're I still think the Kung Pao chicken, you know, tattoo is cool. I've never seen that before. That's that's a new one to me. Usually it's like, you know, dragons or snakes or I also got swords, crosses. I don't have any tattoos. I'm way too big of a wimp to Pam get tattoos. tattoos. I'll just readily admit it. I like needles and stuff like that. Yeah. It, no. dude I'll, i fall asleep i literally fall asleep while i get them i can barely even do like a shot you mean like a like a like a flu shot yeah like when they got to take a shot or they got to take my blood i'm always like oh my god that's <laughs> not that bad but i mean i don't like it don't bother me not a bit. my thing now i think tattoos are cool I'm still a, a a dude that likes tattoos. I think motorcycles are awesome. I don't ride motorcycles because yeah. I know, again, when we're talking about personalities, I'll fall off the thing and break my fucking collarbone in half. But I like watching people go 80 miles an hour on a, a uh, motorcycle. You know what I mean? I still think that's cool. Yeah. I just wouldn't ride one. That's fair. That's fair. And that's your own. That's what you have to learn about yourself, though. The older right. that you get, it's all about learning for yourself what works for you and what doesn't. Because what works for me, waking up at 730 or 830 in the morning it's great. and working until 230 in the morning works for me. Right. And I've done it for years. That may not work for other people. 
Right. Well, and you know, it's funny that you bring that up because that week that we did a bunch of episodes, you know, my kids were gone and my wife was gone. They were back home in St. Louis visiting family. And so it was way easier for me to like stay up till one or two and wake up at eight. But yep. now that they're back, if I'm not up at like five, the the kid wakes up at 540 anyway. Oh, your kids are early risers. My kids, the the baby wakes up at like 540 anyway. So, so the gotta, 730 shit isn't going to cut it. So you got to get up and get your workout in before your kid gets up. That's or at least get moving. Goal. At least get moving. Get up, make a plan for the day. What am I going to do? That it, it doesn't mean that I have to get started on a workout like right away in the in the middle of the dark. But, um, you know, get moving, get started, check on, like you said, I check stuff right in the morning, emails or this, or this is what I got to do with the day. What time do I need to do my podcasting? Like, I like to have at least a plan. So um, what I do, well, on top of like the note thing that I do, I, I don't remember if it was Andy Frisella or somebody else who said this, but I knock out my hardest tasks, the ones that I want to do the least first because the ones that I want to do the least I don't have at the end of the day like I don't want to do any more of that sort of shit I want to try and wind down or you know use that time to use my brain to think of creative problem solving and things like that and in ways that we can scale and ways that we can improve what we're doing that's that's what I like to use like my afternoons for and I like to take my mornings where I'm just busting out every single thing that I don't want to do because then I get to enjoy my afternoon. Mm. And then, so I kind of have like a work, play, work kind of schedule. I work in the morning, get that done. And then I kind of play, if you will. I don't do right. a ton of work in the afternoon for a couple hours. I just kind of like recharge I may send some DMs out. I don't consider that shit work. Other people may, but like I'll lead gen, I'll do that sort of stuff. I don't consider that to be work. I consider that to be play. And then in the evenings, I go back in and then I I do the rest of the work. And I figure out the strategy for the next day. Yeah, I dig it. I dig it. I mean... Planning is essential. I mean, you got to execute, but I mean, if you have a plan and you know what you're getting into and you're ready to go, then that's kind of what I do in the morning is I review, what do I need to do today to be successful? What do I need to do today to perform at a little higher level than yesterday or to improve my skills? I, I, I'm always trying to improve my skills too on the camera, especially as an entertainer, especially that's why I started doing those funny news skits. And we were kind of talking about that, some stuff off camera of, of how that all came about. I never had to think about what someone's policy was with taxes or what state I never cared what state I lived in and how much taxes I was paying. I just wanted to live in the beach. So I moved to California where the uh, taxes are the worst in the entire country. Yep. And so I had to start looking, well, why is that? Well, it's because people vote a certain way there and they get a certain result. 
what is the result and what are they voting? Okay. And then I analyzed it and I said, well, okay, well, that's can not I, what I, I want. Can I buy you? Can I so I went to Texas where it's different. So what happens whenever all the people that are fleeing California and New York and they come to Texas or they come to, you know, rural areas of Pennsylvania or Maryland or wherever it is. And then instead of them reflecting and then realizing that the policies that they voted on created the problems that they are fleeing from. And then they vote the same way. What happens in that scenario whenever you take out the people that are like, hey, I don't like what happened here, but they're, too fucking, but they're too fucking stupid is the reality. They're too fucking stupid you get to realize that the policies that they voted in are the very reasons why their states went to shit. So let's take it back to um, what I was saying. So let's say... Five years ago, six years ago, I'm, I'm playing the guitar on the side of the road, living the dream, playing at the bars in California, making X amount of dollars a month, did, paying the rent you, barely. Let me let me that? get there. No, no did, did you just real quick? Did you like that, though? Did you did you enjoy your time doing that? Was that fun for you? Y- yes and no. So I'm going to get there. OK, uh, so I think at first it was awesome because it was like what I always wanted to do. And it's like what I always practiced for. And then I started to use this old thing I learned. I think we started learning it in like third or fourth grade and it's called math. Oh yeah. So so I started using this. it's, It's crazy. Like you like add stuff and like divide stuff and subtract stuff. So I started to like, you know, I was doing what I loved to do. And I was paying the bills, but then I started to use this, this mathematical concept to figure out how much money I needed every year to move into a nicer place. And I looked at it and I said, man, that's expensive. And I looked at how much the taxes were and how much the health insurance was and how much this was. And the other thing was, and like I said, it's like, well, on this side, on this, in this other area, AKA Texas versus California, well, I pay zero tax. And in this area, it's 13.6%. And so, and then, then in this area, the health insurance is, $817 a month for the whole family with, you know, two kids. See, things changed. Yep. I changed. A lot of people, like what we're getting at, we're addicted to getting better. Correct. So this is going to be a hard one for people to swallow. Most people, a majority of people are just happy where they're at. And that's fine. You and I aren't. Well, we are addicted to getting better. The other thing is, if... So this is this is almost an answer to your question. Well, well, how can I do the same thing and get better results? That's almost the answer to your question. So they go somewhere else, do the same thing and expect better results. That's not how the world works. But you are happier where you are now in changing in the way that you are creating content. Yes. And, so and what I have income, correct? Yes. You're happy with so your I, evolution, right? Yes, because I took those same skills that I'm using 
daily. Mm-hmm. I'm performing daily. I'm just using the internet now as a channel instead of relying on a live music venue to write me a check. So this is the evolution of business. First, for a long time, I was just kind of a self-employed employee. And I started to learn entrepreneurship over the course of these times. And I was kind of an entrepreneur, but not really. I was Mm self-employed. And I always relied on someone else to write me a paycheck for a given amount of time rather than charging for X amount of dollars for a service. So I was kind of caught in the middle. Yeah, I was kind of charging X amount of dollars for a service based on how much time I serve and based at whatever their rate was that they could afford per hour. And instead I started saying, well, I'm worth more than this. Yep. And if you're giving me this, I can't afford, yeah, I can't afford to live. Correct. So what is the point of getting so good and working on myself and being addicted to success and getting up every morning and getting better and improving my skills if I'm going to continually get paid the same thing forever? So I changed that part of my mindset and started charging more and started doing more things and started using the microphone for shows. And this is just like playing a music show. I just don't have a guitar in my hand. We're not singing songs. I'm providing more of a service to you so that you can build your brand online. So I I would encourage people out there to start thinking about what can I do to service others with my talent rather than how can I go and exchange my talent for an hourly wage? I I said this uh, the other day on Instagram, but like... All these things are related. I know we're kind of going a little bit around in a circle, but these things are related. If you don't change the way you think and don't change the structure of your attack towards where you're going, well, then you can move wherever you want and you're going to get the same results. Well, moving around on ideas and then tying them back together isn't necessarily a a bad thing by any means. It, it, It may go over some people's heads, but that's that's okay because the other thing is, and this is going to sound pretty crass, but like if you're not where you want to be in life, it's your fucking fault. Right. And that should be enough motivation to get better right there. Like there is no other there is no other fucking I How much a, more motivation do you need? I was a piece of shit for several years in my early twenties and my late teens. A complete piece of utter garbage. And then some very pivotal things happened with me um, that are that are personal. I may go into them. I may not. Uh, um, but some things happened in my life. And as a result of those things happening to me, I had to choose how I responded to them. And once I started, once I got off of drugs, I just started reading. And I started trying to educate myself like I was never good in school, not, I wasn't bad in school, but like I would never go to class. I would just read something and then I would go take the test. Like I, I don't want someone to explain something to me. I want to read it and interpret it on my own. And that doesn't always work in line with school. So I started educating myself over and over and over again. I paid for two years of therapy three times a week 
one-on-one to get over my drug addiction and then the other personal things that were going on in my life. And I'll just, I'll just say it like my mom got brain cancer whenever I was 18 and I had a kid at, at 20 or 21. I can't remember. And then I battled for that kid. It was fucking brutal, but I became addicted to bettering myself because I wanted to see my kid. And that was my why. And then ultimately the, the story of that has been that I've cultivated my entire life now to be with my children anytime that I want. If you look at my Instagram stories, I'm always with my kids. It's it's the number one fucking I am able to have the freedom to work when I need to and put in the most focused work hours and also have a clean house. Like those two things make my brain function better. So I have learned that that is a positive thing for me because it yields me more money. So anything that I can do to help that helps. So I get more money from working from home. I have someone that helps take care of my kids. So that way, whenever like I'm working and my wife is working, they have full attention. They are learning what they need to be learning. And dad just isn't on his phone and they're doing whatever they want. And then whenever I'm right. actually with them, I'm attentive to them. I'm not on my phone. So well, and that goes back to a two kids will change the game for you. So yeah. You know, I wasn't, thi- again, I wasn't thinking Sorry, about certain, and I don't know no, but it goes right back into what I was saying is that wh- when I didn't have kids, I wasn't thinking about that stuff. I waited until I was like 32 years old to have kids, 33 years old. So I waited as long as I possibly could. Um, and, you know, whatever else, but, uh, you know, luck sometimes luck, you can, you can always have some good luck in certain areas. Sure. So. Well, the moral of the story is when I was doing the shit on the side of the road and I was willing to not make a lot of money for my skill, that was what I was really doing is underpricing my value. I was undervaluing my talent and basing my compensation off of what that marketplace had decided the value was rather than saying I'm worth this much. Correct. I'm going to blow through the roof of this number and I'm going to use my talents in a specific way to drive my numbers higher. But I had to learn that way of thinking. Well, there's something adapting. I didn't learn until two or three years ago. Took Time like this stuff didn't just happen overnight. So, I mean, if you're out there and you're like, these guys are just fucking rambling about this shit. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's hard to, well, to it's a piece together. Podcast. So it what is, the fuck it is. Do you expect a true. We're going to ramble a little bit. That's on brand. So if you don't <laughs> like that, don't fucking watch the show. <laughs> but like it, it is what it is. We, Pat and I have like a very unique way of flowing conversations. He keeps me on track and my brain just continues to roll. Well, but mine like, does too. We have a, we have a way of, of, of creating a, a, a nice circle because, 
because sorry, you're cutting in and out a minute, but, uh, but like when I didn't have kids, it was different. Once I had kids, I started thinking similarly to what you described. I had to figure out a way to take all those skills and monetize at a higher level. And once I started looking at what the numbers actually were and how the numbers break down in the area that I lived in, I was like, well, this is not compatible. This mm-hmm. is not compatible with the lifestyle I want for me. And this is not compatible, but this is. And so what happens is if, if everybody leaves California and moves to Texas and votes the same way that they did when they were in California, well, then Texas turns into California. Look at Austin. So I guess the way to tie it back in is if you don't Austin change- is the San Francisco of Texas. So I guess the way that you could tie the whole thing back together and basically wrap up this entire episode, it'll be a short one. But the way that if you don't change the way that you think, if you aren't willing to think that you are wrong and lose your own ego a little bit, you are not going to get to where you actually believe you should be. There's no way. And it's your own fucking fault. If I had such a pride and such an ego or whatever the word is that I had to play guitar... Yep. To make money. Yep. I'd still probably be asking people for $5 donations on PayPal. I'm going to tell here's one for you musicians out there. I'm going to tell you guys something because I stream. I'm going to start doing live shows, streaming shows, and just playing and just doing it for free and turning it into an album series, a live album series that I'm going to put out. And the reason why I'm not going to be asking people for donations or give me money in my tip jar is because it looks fucking pathetic on the internet. You're going to go live on the internet and sing me a song and beg me for money. Or I I mean, that's just my opinion. I'm a musician too. You just provide such great people donate. And then you have no idea what someone's perceived value is. That donation could be somewhere between $2 or a thousand dollars. It could be anything, but I think I, I personally think the digital tip jar concept is weak. Uh, I That's actually don't think opinion. that. It, I I don't think that it's weak if you just have it like set up where like people can choose to, and you don't ask them for donations at all. Okay, I well, that, I guess that's. Fine. I don't think that that's weak at all because you are literally it up to the person that is consuming your content at that moment to decide if there is a value that they want to put on. That's fine. So maybe I'm a little outlandish with that. If I'm an asshole for that, I'll take that on the chin. No, 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 Here's- no. I'm just saying that's, that's my opposing viewpoint. I got it. So I'll, let me break this down to why I say that. Here's why I say that. Because, um, when I performed at bars, and, and this is my perspective, and so I'll back that up with an actual factual reason for why I think it's cheap. Let's let's not say it's weak. Let's say it's cheap looking. Here's okay. why I think it's cheap looking. Whenever I performed, and I did it for a long, long time at bars, paid my bills playing on stages and at bars and venues most of my life. That was most of the time. I never used a tip jar. And here's why, because if I'm good enough, people are going to give me the money anyway. So what I would do is I would play and I would sing 
and I would do this. And again, it's different, I guess, a little bit online because you can just put a link and people can give you money. But when you're standing in front of somebody and you sing and you do your thing and you carry on. Well, I'm not even saying like a link. That's not what right. I'm talking about. I'm saying like, let's say that Instagram just has like a button that allows you. I don't know if they do or not, but let's they say that they have a button that just pops up automatically on a live feed that if you have over a thousand followers, whatever, then you can accept donations. And if you pop up on that live feed, and even if you're just doing a Q&A and you answer a question and, and someone that's watching that wants to donate to you, and it's just a feature on the platform itself, I think that that's okay. You not yeah, I think it's all jar, okay. I just don't do it. Putting, yeah, but putting out a tip jar is not the same thing. Like if there, if you were already playing music and then the bar owner had a tip jar at the bar for the musician and people just put it in there and it wasn't you that had it up, would you still accept the money? We're, we're, we're going way off topic here with this. You're missing it. I'm going to pull up somebody's fucking page right now. Somebody's about to get called out. So hold on a minute. You're taking okay. it way, way, way off. So maybe so let's confused. say, let's say I'm not going to put them on the screen. Let's say fucking John, the singer man is streaming on our screen right now. Okay. And we want to feature John and say, go buy his album or something like that. That's fine. If plus, if you want to stream on your page and say, Hey, I got a digital tip jar. The show's free. Tip me if you want to blah, blah, blah. I, I, I don't care. I just don't do it. Oh, no, no. I'm not saying that you right. should either. So my point is that I always made more money when I never asked anybody for money at a gig. But how so if I sang never- about, if I sang about, what's your wife's name? Alyssa. Alyssa. So Alyssa and Mike stroll in and I'm like, okay, well, I know if I can make Alyssa happy, Mike's going to be happy. So if Alyssa's happy and then Mike's happy, Mike is way more um, able or willing to give me money, right? Perceived value. So, So let's just talk about this and let's teach a lesson here as to why Pat's asshole opinion is what Pat's asshole's opinion is. And if you like it, you like it. If not, fucking fine. So uh, like Mike it. walks in with Alyssa and she's she's smiling. She's having a good time. And I start changing the words up just a little bit about Mike and Alyssa and how they're having a good time. And the Wonder Wall and the Wagon Wheel and the Hootie and the Blowfish are all coming together. And the sky is blue and the moon is out and the ocean is flowing and the waves are great and love is in the air. And Mike's going to smoke a joint and you guys are going to make love. It's going to be the best fucking night ever. <laughs> And I don't ask for anything because it's my job. It is my job and my calling to entertain you. But then Mike walks over. He says, dude, that was great, dude. I'll tell you what, because this is how you get the sale. How are you going to get the sale? Brad Lee would say, you're looking around in the room. How are you going to convert? How are you going to close somebody? I'm going to pick somebody. And I'm going to give them value. And then they're going to come to me and say, hey, I'll tell you what. I don't know how you knew this, but it's my wife's birthday tomorrow. 
Can you sing my wife happy birthday? Sing my wife happy birthday. How about I'll give you a hundred bucks? What do you think? That's pretty much exactly now, what I would do. Now all of a sudden I made a hundred dollars without even asking for it. I'm for so sure. good at what I do. And I gave specific value without expecting extra compensation, even though I was gunning for the extra compensation in the first place. Correct. That's the thought process of that was when I started to figure out when I had $600 in a hat. That is the magical tip jar. Well, I better not wear my hat anymore because I'm making so much tip money now. Who else wants a song? Now I've turned the tip jar. I've weaponized the tip jar. I made it the enemy first, but now I'm waving it in front of everybody because it's so full of money that if you don't give me your money, you're crazy. Yeah. That's how good you got to get at not using the tip jar to use the tip jar to your advantage. So all you musicians out there begging for freaking $5 Venmo, what you really should be doing is when somebody comes onto that stream, you need to sing about that person. And if you like it, if you like it, save it, get your uh, screen recording out right now. And if you dig it, shoot me a message. And, you know, you can, you can support buy my record or, you know, shoot, shoot me 50 bucks or whatever. That'll be $50. Make a price for it. Yep. That's $50 there, Susie. I'll send you a link when the show's over. And I'll bet you Susie will be like, dude, that was worth 600 bones. It's only 50 bucks. Start charging people instead of begging people. Just a theory of mine because it worked for me. No, I'd it- walk in and I'd ha- always wear a hat on purpose. And I'd play first couple tunes. I would play the bullshit Wonderwall and Wagon Wheel and Brown Eyed Girl. I'd get them out of the way right away because it would sucker the dinner crowd in. And then and then I'd start I'd start laying in fourth or fifth round. All right, now who this lady's here every week, Rebecca? What's going on? Stand up for me, Rebecca. Stand up for me here. And this is when you become so addicted to getting better. Yeah, you're not afraid of fucking up in front of people. No, you're not I, afraid I'm, of I'm, singing the wrong thing or playing the wrong note or looking bad on camera or we're going around in a fucking clusterfuck circle. It doesn't no. matter because you're going to get the job done no matter what. Stand up on here, Rebecca. Bring your husband. What's your husband? What's your name, sir? Jack. Jack and Rebecca are in the house. I don't have a tip jar. I'm just so, doing my job. And so, you sing a song for Jack and Rebecca. And then Jack comes over and says, man, that was so good. How, how can I tip you? Oh, man. Here. Jack and Rebecca liked it. Who else wants a song? So now you've changed the conversation from, if you like what I'm doing, feel free to give me a tip, to, hey, listen, who wants to pay for a song? Yep. Come on now. Come on. Bradley would probably tell me this was the greatest 10 minutes of my entire podcasting career. Bro, (laughs) You're, you are spot on here. So I do something very similar. Like whenever I'm in. I'm just saying to me, it comes off as a little cheap. Yeah. So I do a very similar thing on Instagram, on different Facebook 
uh, groups that are business related or CBD niche related, uh, like online sales related. I will just, anytime that I see someone have a question or they post something, I'll reply back if I know the answer. Or if I can connect them with someone, I just connect them with them. Even if I'm not friends with them on there, I just do it. And and what that does is it just continues to build out my my network of people that like I've helped. And you never know where that comes into play later in life. And building on those relationships, no different than you watching out for Rebecca every time and seeing that she's, you know, doing a certain thing, you're just being observant in a digital world and you're, you're being conscious of how to provide value for people without expectation. So I got it. You got to change it to what can I do for someone else instead of try and force them to think my song is a hit song. For sure. Servitude. And also it's the old Russell Brunson method is you got to make an offer. What's your offer? So, Mike doesn't just say, hey, if you donate, uh, you know, a little dollar or two, I'll send you a drop of CBD oil. Think about how no. dumb that sounds. No, you can if go you buy pay, it. If I'll pay for the vial of oil if you pay for the shipping. Yep. You pay the shipping, I'll send you it. You try it. If you hate it, throw it in the trash. You didn't you even pay the $70 cost. Correct. You have to take an action. And you have to make an offer. What is your offer? If you guys walk into a room, I was in a room the other day. And again, while I may be random, I was in a room the other day. It's a lady named Sharon Lecter. If you don't know who Sharon Lecter is, Google her. Writes a lot of books. One of them, she wrote the foreword to uh, Russell Brunson's book, who I refer to Russell. No, that was Kiyosaki. She wrote the foreword to this Napoleon Hill get rich for women. Napoleon Hill's like the legendary think and grow rich. She wrote the women's version, Sharon Lecter. She's a big deal. And we were kind of shooting the shit back and forth. And she's been following me. We've done events for years together and she was following me and she made the observation because we had talked about this same topic years ago. And she's like, you're so much more clear on your offer now how's that working out for you and i was like dude i'm making more money now than i've ever made she's like it's because you're way more clear about what you offer yes you're still an entertainer yep you being an entertainer is what fulfills you so that's what you focus 100 on but how are you entertaining people well we're gonna here are you putting it out So I would encourage people to get addicted to what can I offer the world? Because that's where you're going to start to change. Okay. Well, how much, how much money can I make, uh, you know, working at sprouts farmer's market compared Mm -hmm. to, I can offer this to 60 people a month and I can succeed for sure at a higher level for sure. You know, you're going to move from one area to the other area. You're still going to work at Sprouts. You're still going to vote the same way. And then, you know, people may or may not burn down your neighborhood again. 
<laughs> that's a whole nother episode to talk about. <laughs> so, you know, <laughs> I think I'm not sure, but I trends think, seem to be spreading. Uh, yeah. I mean, I think we may pick up on I some topics. I went there. That are, Mike, I went there. We may pick up on some topics that are not always business related, but also What's we can, the trend? I, I can certainly tie it back at, into business. Um, all the businesses that have been burned down uh, recently, uh, I'm sure it's bad. It's a it's a little foreshadowing for a future episode. It's um, bad. And so, what decisions are being made in those areas to change it in the future? Is it going to get better, or is it going to get worse? Ask yourself that. If you're in one of those areas and you're thinking, "Man, I'm trying to get better," are are those people? taking action that will make it better or make it worse. Are you going to take action to make it better or worse? Well, I, these are like common sense issues. Yeah, but for sure. But you just have to look at it from a super. Like, let's talk about from a complete macro. Look at the things that are most important to you, like in your community. How are the schools? What can you do to help? Can you get on a PTA board? Can you donate to a cause that you know needs something? Is there a gymnasium floor that needs to be built and then kids can go play and that helps, you know, uh, a couple of other different foundations? Like what can you do to impact your community the closest? Like I promise you, if you live in servitude of others, I don't care what the fuck it is, whether you're making money hand over fist, as long as you are living while you are giving to other people, the more you give without expectation, the more it just comes back naturally all, all on its own. It just happens. Like it's true. there's a reason, there's a reason why Gary V and Bradley, they're giving you content for free to make your life better. It is free. That's the reason why I am making this content. I am trying to give you content for free that will make your life better. I don't care if you buy a product from me. I don't need your fucking money. Like I don't. Yeah, we need you to go succeed. If, we need if you to I, take what you hear and believe in yourself. Go do something with it though. You don't have to invest in our coaching program. There's like the people that we will have on this show. They have tremendous coaching programs. If you like them buy better. Buy Sharon's book. But like, but literally if you like them better, go there. Right. Like I don't need you. I don't care. I want you to go do something that will make you better. It doesn't matter if you buy something from me. I don't even like, I don't want your money. Well, and it helps us get clarity to even just review these topics and tell stories and go back and forth with this and that I, I figured out talking about that story. It took me a minute to figure out how to say it or tell the story or make my point, but I understand it better now because now I've, I've gone through it and I have concrete make an offer. What is your offer? And what's your yep. offer to you? What do you expect to give the, to the world? What is your unique talent and how can you use that talent to serve others? And when you're serving others, how can you do it at a scale and at a level that, that you're catching the biggest fish? You're serving the biggest people. You're doing it at a high enough level or a high enough frequency that you're able to completely change your life and the life of others with your skill set or your strengths or your passion. 
Well, you have to figure out two things with that. Do you want to service people in volume and a bunch of people that may not take action? Or do you want to service a select subset of the population that want to invest more into themselves? Because at the end of the day, the money is just an accountability measure. Right. It's literally an accountability measure. It is to keep you interested in making yourself come back onto an added value call with a coach. Like that coach doesn't need your fucking, if they're actually a good coach, like Bradley, Sean Whalen, those motherfuckers, they don't need your money. They don't care about your fucking money. They are doing this because number one, it hones in their skills to be sharper. Well, and the other thing is, is that we all have problems too. So like it's, it's just as much as they may not care about the cash, you've got to understand that. What are you bringing to the table too? This goes right back to how did some goofball that played in the middle of the bar corner get on stage at 10 X growth con in front of 10,000 people. I brought something of value to the table. I etched out a certain period of time that I fit into the schedule that didn't conflict with anything else that didn't have me being the star of the show. And I said, can you fit me in this time? It's perfect. Yes. Lunch period. Any, anything you want to give me is the break time. Just put me on in the fucking break time and let me smash the shit out of the place. That's all I want. It costs you nothing. You're spending money. During that time, you're going to play the same Kanye West playlist all day. You might as well just break up 15 minutes for me because that camera footage and that, uh, that spotlight for that time is going to change my whole career. Or I wouldn't even be doing gigs with Sharon Lecter or be on Bradley's show. If that, how was your, How was your speaking engagement the other day? Oh, it was great. It was wonderful. Yeah, we did uh, the Mike Burt comeback tour uh, with Tim Story and uh, Sharon Lecter and my buddy Victor Maya spoke. He's got a book out right now called Conquer. It's laying around here somewhere. It's a good book. Conquer by Victor Maya. Um, It was awesome, dude. Tim Story's phenomenal. He's been on Oprah um, you know, Mike Burt, Tim Story, and myself all did 10x Growth Con 2 together. There were 10,000 people at that event. So, I mean, once you get to a certain level of trust and respect with people, and you know you and you focus on you and your strengths, yeah, dude, people respect that. People can rely on you bringing something unique to the table. You don't have to be the most clean cut, sharp, you know, fixated on being perfect, dude. It's realness. Realness has come into play these days. And even the people you mentioned before, the the Brads and the Shans, I mean, dude, those guys, they're real deal. Well, it's it's being vulnerable and being open because like at the end of the day, I don't care if you judge me for the fact that I was a cokehead like years ago. It is funny. Fucking yeah. It's absolutely hilarious. I had a great time. Like I wouldn't change any of those fucking times for the life of me. But you used it as a lesson and you used it as a way to examine your performance and adapt so that you could get future results, higher capacity in these areas that you were maybe at a lower capacity or lower (laughs) than your uh, ability. I had to think very carefully about how I I was pretty stoned earlier because I was smoking a J while I was telling that story. 
And I had to think very carefully about how the fuck I was going to phrase that out. (laughs) (laughs) Because I was like, what would Owen approve? And what is he going to blacklist on the episode? Because at the end of the day, all of these have to get approved by Owen before they go out. So Owen's got his work cut out for him. Because what is this episode six now? He's got about six hours of footage to, to review. Yeah. But we're having fun too, you guys. I mean, it's again, it's like Mike takes time out of his... His day, he hired me to do this. He's he's helping my family survive, helping it, me live my dreams. And it's, it's important to remember that. What's up? It's Saturday at 2.45, bro. Yeah, it's a Saturday. It's it's almost 2 o'clock here in, in Dallas area. And it's just like we're banging stuff out and we're having fun because we're passionate about this. They th- Monday and later tonight and tomorrow, I'll be better because of the time I put in today. Mm-hmm. on this i'll be sharper tonight when i uh make fun of nancy pelosi for saying we don't need to have debates oh my god i can't wait <laughs> that'll be a good one literally like at the end of the day it matters the work that you're willing to put in am i willing to give up an hour and a half or two hours on a saturday to film this podcast with you because hopefully it helps one other person not fucking be a piece of shit and take some accountability for their life, then I feel really fucking good about the money and the time that I invested into doing this. If I get one DM that says, hey, you know, thank you guys for making this episode and actually not trying to hide behind any, like, I have no idea what exists on the internet about me and my past. So I would rather be open and vulnerable about it because if it comes out, I'm already in front of it. It already (laughs) happened, and I'm not ashamed of the shit that I did. Right, and it's not like I just randomly now. Yeah, and it's not like I just randomly got sober either. I mean, there's obviously a story behind that, and maybe we'll talk about that one day. But it's like that didn't just randomly happen. (laughs) No, no, you had to do it for a reason. Yeah. And so I had to adapt. I had to, like I said, when I was explaining earlier, well, I had to look at the numbers and I had to listen to Sharon and I had to listen to Brad and all these people that I had been around, but I kind of didn't want to listen to them. You guys, I mean, I didn't want to give up the little guitar by the beach thing. And I was like, well, guess what, dude, the guitar by the beach thing's cool. But like, wouldn't you rather have your own little place where you could just do that anytime you want and not have to worry about the money and not have to beg people for cash and not have to sing about freaking Starbucks Sandy every Wednesday to try and weasel another 20 bucks to survive? I mean, wake the fuck up. You're better than this. Who has been the person that you've been? Because I know that you had to replace that weed's not an addiction, but like, who did you? But it's a habit. So what did, and that habit is addicting itself. I think that I'm addicted more to certain habits and changing your habits really fucking helps. So I don't know where I was going to tie that (laughs) with. How did you, Uh, how'd you quit? How did you decide to quit? Yeah. Like, well, so for you, what did I replace it with? What did you replace it with? Um, so I, I kind of replaced it with with the belief and the idea and the acceptance of the fact that I can't do it anymore because I'm going to get in more legal trouble. Okay. So plain and simple, like I got busted, you know, coming out of a gig 
in California with, with, with just shit went down. I just got busted with some shit on me. And so I had a choice to make. I can either get busted again with some shit on me, or I can not get busted again with the shit on me. So do I love doing that stuff so much that I'm willing to potentially rack all the years of work that I put in to be successful at being an entertainer and doing what I love to do and do all this and this reputation that I've built for myself uh, as a person and a person of character, blah, 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 blah. Do I want all that to go down the drain because of like weed or like drinking shots of alcohol? That's when I made the choice that like, dude, those things aren't worth that much to me. So that's, uh, I, it replaced it with a acceptance and a thought process of what result do I want? Yep. Okay. Because I've got a choice to make here. And this is a, again, unfortunate in some ways and very awesome in other ways. Uh, you're running into a situation now that you're almost, you're in control of, but it can go way, way out of control if you choose not to be in control. So when you get into a situation that is legal, and the United States, you have to make a choice. Am I going to keep doing this and mm-hmm. potentially get this happens again? Or am I just going to stop? And then automatically that can never happen again because I just eliminated it. It can't ever, I can't ever possibly has, get busted if I don't have the shit around me. It has no power over you. You remove none. the power. Re- none. And so I think that, and I'll tell you, I had to sit through a lot of meetings and a lot of all this kind of stuff I pay. I had to pay out the ass for all kinds of shit. And, you know, I'm sure you guys can figure it out. This isn't fucking rocket science here. But um, (laughs) I I had a choice to make of, hey, man, you want to keep smoking? And if if you get pulled over or something like that and your eyes look freaking crossed because you're racked, potentially yep. lose your family and lose your business and lose everything. Yep. Probably not a good, probably not a good idea to do this anymore because while like you, telling, I feel like you're telling me to stop smoking pot right now. Just me talking like, to myself. No, no, no. I know. But I feel like you're t- talking to me right now. And I'm like, I'm literally evaluating in my own headspace. Here's the, the mistake the I made bonds for me. Here's the mistake I made is that I drove. Mm-hmm. I drove. So I was at a gig, partying it up, having a good time. And after years and years and years and years and years and years and years of doing something, you just kind of just don't even think about it. You just do it. Yep. And so, you know, I drove. Did you wreck? No. Um, and the thing about it is um, in California, it's zero tolerance. Oh, so California really? is a zero tolerance state. Now you can be under a certain limit and still get nailed for a legality just by being quote unquote impaired. I'm, right. I'm going to say so something. California, like, here, but California sucks, sucks dick. 
Like, dude, and you totally it, from, from a loss standpoint. From a loss standpoint, I'm not saying like it's just terrible. Like for being the place that is the hippie, do whatever you want, free reign place that it's promoted as. Yeah, that place is regulation central. Yep. Holy shit. They got regulations on everything. They got regulations on the regulations. That's where I got caught with a flag. (laughs) You know, it's like, dude, wait, wait, you don't let's, let's just break it all the way down. You don't even need to have alcohol or marijuana or cocaine or heroin or meth or crack or whatever in your system to get arrested for driving while impaired. You could be on a Benadryl and, or your prescription from your doctor and you're tired and you're drowsy and you blow zero, zero and you test zero, zero on cannabinoids or whatever they're called. And you test zero, zero on everything. But you know, you were drowsy, which is a danger to other drivers. So we're going to arrest you and we're going to charge you with driving while impaired. Talk about a fucking ramrod in the ass, folks. So I encourage you guys, again, to think about the consequences for your actions. <laughs> because there are consequences for everything you do. Yeah. Now, where I fit into all those categories, I don't know. You know <laughs> maybe one day you'll know, maybe you'll never know. But that's what happened. I, I, I mean, obviously something happened. Yeah. Something would have to happen to you for you to stop. Yeah. Do you, do you agree or disagree? No, I've, I've taken like tolerance breaks and sometimes like, I'll just like not smoke weed for a whole day just to, just to exercise like a level of discipline. The difference for me is that I actually like the person that I am because I'm, I'm typically a pretty moody guy. Right. And I'm under a lot of stress a lot of the time and weed just helps me stay very even keeled. It helps no, me to actually make nothing against any, anything uh, if you can, if you can do it. I don't, I don't like, so I'll think about a decision that I have to make while I'm smoking a joint, but I don't ever make that decision until like I feel sober again, or I talk with my wife or I talk with my business partners or whatever it is. I just try and think of a way to problem solve. And that's more so like it helps me to, to navigate those sort of waters. Right. Um, But that's something that I've learned about myself over the past 12, 12 years or so. I mean, well, and I think that when you, when you, like you said, you examine yourself or you examine the situation. Sometimes if you're able to just do that on your own, without something good or bad happening, that's when you're really ahead of the game. So if you're listening to this and you're like, oh man, it's a little all over the place, but it's really not. This has actually been pretty consistent with how are you examining what your life looks like right now? Yep. What are the variables that are affecting the results that you're getting? And how can you increase or decrease something in any given area to get to the next stage or to get to a higher income or get to a higher level of fitness or get to 
Um, I don't a know if it's app. sobriety or a higher level. I need to smoke six joints instead of four. I mean, whatever it is for you. Yep. It takes using your head and looking at all the actual data to get there. Because here's the thing. The data is going to show up one way or another. Yep. If, if, so here's the, the data thing. will hit you upside smoking, the head. If I noticed that I was smoking too much weed and it was negatively affecting my sales or my performance, I would curb that behavior. However, I have found certain strains that work for me and I stay with that. It's like, it's no different than, than alcohol. Like if you find a drink that you like, you stay with it. Like it's, it's things like that. Like you just have to learn about yourself and it, it takes time. You're never going to, it's not going to happen over overnight. And you just have to be willing to get back up every day at bat and try and get 1% better or 2% better than you were the day before. And if you look back in a year, you won't be in the same place that you were. I can promise you that. Oh yeah, absolutely. You won't be. It's absolutely. impossible. And, and if you, if you think that you're getting away with something in a certain area by skirting around certain details, those details will come back to get you somehow, some way. If you're spending that $13 that you shouldn't be spending every month, seven years later, you're going to need 500 bucks <laughs> and you're not going to have it because you fucked around on that $13 that you knew you shouldn't have spent here, 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 and here. And I think sure. that maybe that's, uh, that's what happened to good old Pat. Well, for a while I just did this and I did this and I skirted it and I skirted it and I skirted it. And after a while I was like, dude, I'm good until it wasn't good. And I was like, fuck, <laughs> I better fix that. Well, no big deal. But sometimes when you, when you get hit in that area, you're like, Oh, that lack of personal responsibility. When something like that comes up, when that flag gets pulled, dude, yeah. well, Mike now, Tyson. well, now you're going to increase the, the consequences 50 fold Mike Tyson. I mean, come on. Well, he never would... learned when he was younger. Correct. But he said everyone has a plan until they get punched in the mouth. That oh, dude's yeah, been absolutely. punched in the mouth financially. He's been punched, but he's back up. He, he's, he's been on a continual journey of trying to better himself and try to get better. It, it's just like you take a guy like that that's been hit in the head so many times that has been a world he's going to be fighting again he's like 50 fucking years old yeah he's like, taking on roy jones jr it, it's insane but like someone like great that too but it just goes to show you it doesn't matter if you're 50 that dude's getting back in the ring he's made a lot of changes his that's a great example too look at what that guy look at where he came from look at how he was trained as a as a youngster and as a teenager to be a fucking killer. Yep. And then when he became a killer and people rooted him on and he won championships and made millions of dollars, he was um however you would say it, shit on for being that 
after yep. a while. And then, you know, uh, kind of the old man Customato died and he kind of lost his mentor and kind of lost his marbles a little bit. And um, pretty much went way, way off the rails. And in, in my opinion, would probably have been the greatest heavyweight in the history of the world, hands down, no doubt, if he would have been able to stay on the tracks. For sure. When but- when the chick got involved and he got was on the skirts in his marriage and then d- fired Kevin Rooney, the trainer. I actually love, I follow all that boxing shit, so now you're in my world. The, again, he made all these choices. He changed all the things that were working for him and thought, oh, I can just skit shit off in those areas and still get the same results. And it ended up, he lost all the biggest fights later in his career, twice to Holyfield and once to Lewis. If he would have won those three fights, he probably would have been regarded as the greatest in that generation. And he's not, he's still the youngest heavyweight champion ever. And one of the most deadly punchers, but he is not the best of that generation. Holyfield and Lewis are. I like him more. He's my favorite, but he shit off in those areas and it showed up in his performance because he got, he got his ass handed to him by Buster Douglas. Well, it's a fucking great example. I did not think that I was going to hit that good of an example with that. I was just like, (laughs) I said Mike Tyson and then you, you were like, you were, were like Mike Tyson. He's a completely different like, person now. He, if he was sitting right here, he would say that. Yeah. He ended up fighting Razor Ruddick, who he was way better than, because they were they had to sell him on those fights to kind of bring back this kind of journey back to the title, and it just it didn't work. His his head wasn't in the game the, the way that it was when when he was coming up with Customato ready to knock Michael Spinks out of the fucking ring. At uh, Trump, what was it? Trump Plaza. I, you know, I, I mean, it I was just a different. Any. I was a huge. I'm a huge boxing fan, and I always use that. We've talked about this before because it's, it's a one-on-one sport. Yep. So, like any of your little flaws or any of the little things that you dicked around on, there's a perfect example for today. Any of the things that you weren't addicted to being perfect at show up and work against you. Yep. You're going to be exposed. You're to- he was totally exposed. He didn't work out, didn't train hard, and showed up against that. That was the best night of Buster Douglas's career. And he got totally fucked up that night. In fact, he actually w- was so out of it that he knocked Buster Douglas down in whatever it was, the eighth or the ninth round. Buster Douglas was down for like 12 seconds. But Mike was so out of it, he didn't go quickly to the neutral corner like he did. And it gave him two more seconds. What are you doing, dude? Technically, he actually won. But the in-the-ring referee who's counting controls that that situation. So when he was hovering over the guy and he had to push him all the way back, he lost that two seconds. That lost him the fight. His head wasn't in the game. I did not perfect watch that. example. I kind of want to go back example. You could pick, you could literally pick that apart and almost it. Now, when you go back, you could almost see 
that coming that 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 he had he had reached the pinnacle and 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 was not training the same way wasn't working with the same people had a fucking collapse coming with his marriage and then Buster Douglas was was it after that the hype train was still there but the fire wasn't yeah and I bet you he would agree with me if he sat right here probably wouldn't be happy about me saying it but as a fan when I look back now. You you bought the fight and watched the fight because you wanted to see the old fire. The old it wasn't ever the same. I have a question for you. Would you say it to his face if you were in the same room, or would you say it over the internet? I don't think that. I don't think it's um, it's anything other than based on the performance that you watch on the video. It's not an insult. No, no, I know, but I'm saying like he's still Mike Tyson. Like, would you say? Well, yeah, he would fucking probably break my head in half right now. But that doesn't change the fact that at that point in his life, or at certain points in my life, the same thing has happened in my performances or in other people's performances. I'm not categorizing him as a piece of shit for that. I'm saying that certain things didn't add up at those times in his career, and and I've seen that in my life too. And I hit certain roadblocks because certain things added up just the same way they did for him. I think he's gotten rid of a lot of He was at such a big, famous level that the microscope was on him so hard that it it was just way easier to categorize him as this this crazy monster or whatever. Well, I I think he's gotten rid of a lot of his ego the older that he's gotten. I think that I've, I've watched him talk about this stuff before. So I'm a huge Mike Tyson fan. So that's a great example for even what we're talking about, because again, instead of, I'm not trying to shit on him when he was younger. I mean, dude, he was, everybody's wanted to be Mike Tyson. He's the youngest heavyweight champion in the world. He was, he was 100% undefeated. until that fight in Japan with Buster Douglas, he um, literally beat the shit out of Michael Spinks, who was pretty much regarded as, you know, the, the highlight reel guy because he had beaten everyone and had every single title. That was like the first time in a long time there was like a unification of all the different organizations. Belts were kind of like on the line that night. He beat that guy's brains through the ropes in like 48 seconds. Really? Like. I yeah, like you can literally watch the replay. It won't take you long to watch. Um, and uh, hits him so hard that, that Michael Spinks is laying on the ground. You can see his eyes like roll back into the back of the head. Like, dude, it was like he fucked that dude up, <laughs> right? So really bad. So anyway, he's one of the greatest heavyweight champions of all time. But I would say, as a fan of boxing, unfortunately. I would say that uh, Lewis or Holyfield is better as, as that generation, his generation kind of moved into the like nineties and the early two thousands, you know, Lewis and Holyfield, once he fa- finally fought those guys because his lifestyle outside the ring got in the way, he wasn't the same fighter. I saw him hitting a heavy bag uh, recently on his Instagram and it I looks, wouldn't want him to hit me. It looks that looks doesn't like change again. That doesn't change the fact that him and Muhammad Ali are two, my two favorites. I'm a huge boxing fan, by the way. Huge boxing fan. 
Huge nice. UFC fan. He and Muhammad Ali are my two favorite of all time. I'm not the biggest Evander Holyfield or Lennox. I wanted him to win those fights. What do you think about Jake Paul being on the undercard? What do I think of who? Jake Paul being on the undercard. Of what? Of of the Mike Tyson fight? I didn't even know. Oh, yeah, he is. I'm sure he is. Well, that's how they're, they're they got to sell the fight. So why not? I don't have a problem with it. I don't have a problem with Jake Paul. I don't really have that big of a problem with anybody. But being a no, huge fan of him, it was it it's it's sad when you look back at how how the table turned and how the wheels went a little bit off the road there. A little yeah, bit. But, but a it's lot also of so it. encouraging for life. Because well, yeah, because look at him now. Again, you got to also put it into context of look at the person that he became because of the mistakes, because of the adversity, because of the, the highs yep. and the lows. Dude, the guy is a total 100% stud. Yep. Come on, Iron Mike. Come on our show. But I would <laughs> I would guarantee you, because I've watched him tell the story, that he was dicking around in Tokyo with the maids at the hotel and didn't, wasn't training, wasn't getting up at 5 a.m. and running, didn't have the same coach, Kevin Rooney, punching coach. You can go back. They do the, like, inside the ring thing with Bert, whatever his name is, and Max Kellerman, and they're smoking cigars talking about the fights. And you can see how bad the corner men were that night. They were totally unprepared. They had, like, gloves with, like, water in them. They didn't even have ice. They were fucking out of it. They were unprepared. And yeah. I can, I, I've seen times where I showed up unprepared and, and look at the result I got. It was a shitbag result. Well, I mean, it showed up in our earlier podcast. I, I take full responsibility for, you know, not having a stationary place where I was sitting. And, you know, now I know what I need based upon <laughs> your advice and i'm taking your advice and investing that into this area here like in the next right. two months this this entire area is going to be completely changed over and like we'll give a we'll give a full tour like on business and buds instagram and stuff after but like it's it's not even going to look remotely the same but this barn is another perfect metaphor. Like until you make change and make an action, nothing will change. Hmm. It doesn't, it doesn't yeah. happen all on its own. You have to make a decision to do. Well, you got to do something. Yeah. Right. We just said at the same time, you got to do something first. You can't even analyze any kind of performance. That's why it's, that's why, I mean, I'm, I'm not dogging on the guy. He's still like my favorite of all time. But oh, for sure. once you can go back and you can analyze what actually happened and base the career off data, the data would say, I mean, dude, like these guys like Deontay Wilder that say they could whoop Mike Tyson's ass are fucking idiots. Deontay Wilder, later, bro. My, Tyson Fury butchered you last time. In fact, you shouldn't even fight him again because he's going to embarrass you again. <laughs> so, you know. <laughs> You heard it here on Business and Buds. Tyson Fury versus Deontay Wilder 3. There's not even a need for it. Because Tyson Fury butchered him the first time and got hosed on the scorecard. We were talking about scorecards before we even got on here because voting. We were yep. talking about how Hillary Clinton got three more million more votes than Donald Trump. But the Electoral College is not a popularity contest. So while she may have had X amount more votes in 
punches landed in rounds three and four. Well, she lost 10 rounds, so she lost the fight. Yep. Same thing in boxing. Yep. Or you, in your you life. You can win round five and six, but if you got demolished for the other 10 rounds, you lose. That's how it works. For sure. It's based on round by round scorecards. This person won 10 rounds. You won two. Now you landed a lot of punches in those two rounds, but that's not enough for you to get the win on the overall judging. Yep. Well, I think that that, if you haven't gotten any advice out of this podcast, I mean, the one fucking thing to take is action and consistency and doing it over and over and over again until results start showing up because it's not going to be overnight. And so if you get to a certain level, that's maybe even higher than anyone's even gotten, you still have to put the same amount of work in or more to sustain that level of success. And I think this is what we see a lot of times is especially in the music world, they take you get to a certain, guess. yeah, you get a certain level of success. You sold 10 million records and it takes you forever to come out with another record. It takes you forever. And then five years later, no one knows who you are. It's a, it's, well, it can be a devastating well, thing. It's frequency, consistency, and, and performing at that high level day in and day out. That ties into our earlier thing too. That's the reason why I don't have more than six months of savings ever. I don't want it. Yeah, because you want to create that sense of urgency. Yep. And granted, I have it in other assets, but mm-hmm. I don't have it in cash. Right. And the, the devaluation of cash is a totally different podcast. <laughs> completely different podcast, which we can get into next time. Um, but I think that, that that wraps up our podcast. At least it does for me. I mean, it does. It does. Podcast. And we wanted to, we wanted to relate addiction to success and all these things. And when you start getting addicted to things outside of your production, you will pay for it. I've paid for it. And even the freaking meanest, baddest, biggest champions in the world have fucking paid for it. And if they were sitting right here, they'd agree with that. Yep. There's no doubt. And you can't go back and fix it because you can't. Life plays out. No, you can't go back and fix it. You just have to take the lesson that you learned from it and and do better the next time, because I'm sure that that same problem is going to come up in a similar area of your life later on in some other way, in some other format and some other, you know, style, all yep. that stuff happens. So you got to be aware of all that beautiful stuff, man, beautiful stuff. Get addicted to your own success, whatever that is for you guys. And, yep. um, Michael, as always, my friend, business and buds. We this love was you. fun. Always fun. 